It's time to think outside the box with your host, Alex Anzari, from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Central, every Saturday, right here on We The People Radio Network. When you dream, there are no rules. People can fly. Anything can happen. Sometimes there's a moment as you're waking and you become aware of the real world around you, but you're still dreaming. Let me just go over this as a review. U.S. terror alert, 90 days at most. Four million Iraqis on the run. U.S. promises Israel more military aid along with the Gulf allies. Next to that, Russia to conduct war games with China. And they're also doing this right now in the Arctic Ocean, planting their flag. Laying claim to the energy resources there, and they're selling jets to Iran. Next to that, we have allegations about China spying, a substantial concern for the FBI. Lastly, but not least, Reuters. You have nothing to fear, says the headline, China's Army says. And, you know, we got another article here written by uh, Ben Fulford, who was on uh, the Rinse program um, on the 23rd and the 5th of July, with headline reading, Chinese Secret Society Challenges Illuminati Plan to Depopulate the Asian Populations. Now, I'm not sure exactly how credible that report is later on the broadcast to Oscar Allen, and maybe he can give me his two cents on how credible he thinks that report is uh, and that information contained within that article. But in the meantime, I am pleased to present Alan Watt. He's one of the more intelligent researchers that I've seen out there in the movement. Alan, how are you? Oh, fine. Yep. So what do you take of the headlines uh, that I just mentioned? Um, I I feel like it's really important for us to take a pause from 9-11 every now and then and uh, what we think is the new world order and and take a look at these things that are happening um, while we're trying to cover all this stuff with China and Russia and the buildup of their military. Um, What do you think is happening here on the ground, Alan? Well, whenever the major media goes into action to scare the hell out of people, um, generally you can ignore it because when they they are going to do something real, they won't put it in the media, the media at all. The media's job now is to terrify the people of the whole planet and get them prepared for a, a new system that will come out and emerge at the end of all this chaos that's being planned. And And so it's all part of a strategy which the media itself and people inside the media have exposed in times gone by, uh, the same tactics of stampeding the public and terrifying them into submission. Really, it's your own governments that want more control, well, actually total control over your whole life and and more intrusive control into personal, really personal details on, on a daily basis. This is what all this is about. Uh, there's only one system in this world. There are no competing systems. And you have one banking system that runs all of those countries, uh, Russia, China, the U.S., Britain, and everyone else. So they're not at war with each other at all by any means. And often the, the, the higher secret societies within those, those countries are all in cahoots with all the rest of the brotherhood worldwide to bring on the chaos. Ordo ab chaos is their, is their logo. And we're going through the phase of chaos now. Rumsfeld himself said it might take 100 years, this war. 
Now, it's not, it's not a war just against uh, the Middle East. That's part of it, is to standardize them into the same global system and to train one generation into this new democracy, the, whatever that means. Uh, but it's also a war to, to bring out of it, at the end of this, uh, a world state where everyone is born to serve the state and you will not be able to pick a mate or do the things you, you do today. Um, you will be born to serve the state and you'll only be born if there's a position for you to fill if they need you in fact that's what it's all about it's a long laid plan discussed in very high think tanks for over a couple of hundred years and they've published their findings and we're just living through this part of it now as they create all the mayhem and chaos um, the Royal Institute of International Affairs uh, which is the British uh, controller for all of the media and politicians and its, its sister organization, the Council on Foreign Relations in the U.S., um, admitted that they stampeded the public prior to World War II by bringing all their, their members who, who ran newspapers and telling them all lies about Germany, going to gas the whole of Britain, every man, woman, and child, with millions of tons of this gas that was stored up. And eventually it was admitted it was all lies after the war was over, but it helped to, to terrify the public until the public said, we've got to do something about Germany, do something, please do something. And so they're getting all ready for war. This is the same technique that's been used today. Now, this banking establishment that you talk about, this elite group that you talk about, these people being involved in social engineering, uh, throughout history, I'm sure you can testify to this, they've changed their vehicle in where they were actively occupying territory in terms of uh, where most of their... Um, um, for example, you take a look at Nazi Germany, and a lot of people thought that that would be the birth of the One World Order until it collapsed. And then we saw a lot of the Nazi scientists and rocket propulsion scientists being imported to the United States. And so they basically put on a different coat and walked through a different door. It could be argued. And the reason I brought up China and Russia is I'm wondering if that's going to happen again in the future because I am seeing a devaluation of the dollar, the military breaking down incrementally. And could we see another superpower come out to run the New World Order separate from the United States? Well, the whole idea was always to, to use the United States until um, it, it had exhausted itself financially through debt and manpower, uh, building up the whole military regime. Uh, this was discussed in the, at the end of World War One that the U.S. was to take over from Britain as the policeman of the world. And in the, the global meetings they had in the 1930s, they then talked about um, the fact that towards the end of the millennium into the new, the United States would eventually exhaust itself militarily, economically, and China was planned to take over as the policeman of the world. I have the minutes of the meetings from the Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute of International Affairs books. Okay, I want to focus on that this afternoon and, and Russia's um, involvement with China. And I, I also want to talk about, uh, this would probably be a good place to go now. Let's go back in history a little bit, Alan, with the Boxer Rebellion in China mm -hmm. and some of the changes that happened about 100 years ago um, and uh, kind of go forward from there. Mm -hmm. Well, the Boxer Rebellion really was a, a rebellion um, of many Chinese the Black Hand, they call themselves, uh, to try and kick out all the Western powers that had moved in after after um, China had refused 
uh, entrance to the, the foreign devil, as they called uh, Westerners, for centuries. And what happened was um, big, powerful families that were descended from the Knights Templars and the buccaneers and, and pirates, because that's what they were. They, they looted and robbed wherever they went, whether on land or sea. And they were the pirate families that uh, amassed masses of wealth uh, during the 15, 16, 1700s. Uh, you'll find that the Bushes, uh, the Gores, um, and all the famous players that you know today um, were all those families involved with loading China up with opium to get the peasantry hooked on opium in order to gain footholds within China. And they blackmailed eventually the Chinese into allowing them to have an American camp in China in the East Coast and a French camp and a British camp and a couple of other ones where they would do this opium trading once they had the public, uh, the Chinese hooked on opium. But the rebellion it broke out, it came out eventually to kick all of these people out, um, which they did pretty successfully, except for Hong Kong, which was leased to Britain for 99 years. And as you saw back in the, in the early 90s, it was handed back to China uh, uh, as, a, as a part of their, their, their country. These were business decisions uh, put up by bankers and lawyers uh, 100, 200 years ago. Um, and the elite were all in cahoots. But yes, they tried to de destroy China um, and gain footholds in China to get its wealth out of, out of China. And that's what they did. They put four or 500 bales, these like uh, straw bale size uh, bags of opium on the beaches of China every day for day after day for months after months, year after year. And the Bush family and all those people at Yale were all heavily involved in that. They made they amassed millions of money from the opium wars with China. They could they run China today. Uh, the West financed communist China to set up, and they financed the big players, many of them aristocrats, to go over and teach communism back in the 1920s. Bertrand Alan, Russell was one of them. How logistically did we fund Mao? Oh. Uh, basically, um, not as much as you think. There's a very good book people should read, um, and it's called the, the Fugu Plan, F-U-G-U Plan. Uh, it was a deal the Japanese made with the Bernard Baruch, the big bankers in the U.S., and the deal was that Baruch would finance them into an industrial agent and put up the military on condition that Japan attack China. Uh, Very interesting, Alan. We have a break. We have a break. We'll pick up on that thought when we come back and also get into Russia and its birth into the New World Order. Life is filled with interesting things. That's why I could never commit suicide. I'm having too much fun. Keep an eye on you folks. Watching what you do. Human behavior. That's what I like. Humans do some really interesting things. Like besides killing ourselves, we also kill each other. Murder. You are listening to Alex Ansari's Outside the Box Online. It's like a seesaw. One goes up, the other end goes down, like the superpowers of the world. Our time here in America is running out. Another player is in the game of risk. Right now underway, China, Russia, the European Union at the forefront, and many others. We're going to go back to Alan Watt, and he was uh, 
Alan, you were just discussing the buildup of communism and the Western support of communism in China. Go ahead. Yeah, you see, the West had decided a long time ago uh, to play the Hegelian dialectic. In fact, they've been used for thousands of years before Hegel. And the, the fastest way to unite a country under a system which he would dominate uh, was to bring in an enemy. And so they decided to get a Japan to attack China. And sure enough, they gave the, 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 their thesis and antithesis, which was communism. Uh, they, had, they had aristocrats like Bertrand Russell teaching communism in the universities in China in preparation for this in the 1920s. And uh, sure enough, uh, Japan did what it was told by Bernard Baruch. That's in the book, The Fugu Plan, written by Rabbi Marvin Tokaya uh, of Japan. And uh, it was it's an incredible history of how the big bankers in the West funded the military-industrial complex in Japan, built up the military on condition that they first attack uh, uh, Russia to bring in uh, communism. And sure enough, it was the, it was the uh, that started communism in Russia because the taxation was so heavy for the Sino-Russian uh, war that um, uh, the communists then overthrew the Tsar and took over. That was the reason for it. The next move was to get Japan to go into China, and the same thing happened. The foreign devil came in, uh, the Communist Party had been set up, and it became the main party as they fought the Japanese. This was how the, the chessboard was set up. The fastest way to, to, to destroy maybe a hundred different cultures and maybe even languages and unify them into solitary centralized government systems, standard education, etc., is to bring in communism and amalgamate all those countries under one system. And that's how they played the game. So for those that want to see how the bankers financed uh, the, the beginnings of World War II and World War I, you should read the Fugu Plan because it's in your congressional records. It was found in Tokyo at the end of the war, from, uh, taken from the Japanese military headquarters, and it was in display in your own congre Congress down there for a long time. People should dig that one up and read it. It's fascinating. Bernard Baruch was also the man that Winston Churchill came to see before he went to see FDR. Uh, Bernard Baruch was a big, big player, one of the biggest world financiers in history. Excellent points, especially the one on Japan, considering the fact that we co-opted that country a long time ago. You can go, go back to the days where we landed on that country with ships and guns and cannons when they had nothing but swords and changed their economy and way of life before World War One and before they became a, a militarized state, an imperialistic state. Um, to do our bidding. And, and it's also interesting to look at their constitution, at what was enacted after World War II, so they could not be offensive in nature. However, today they would like to change their constitution so that they can be offensive in nature and be a subservient, uh, submilitary, paramilitary, if you will, of the United States uh, at this moment in time. And I find that to be interesting considering the fact that they are our allies in this war on terror as they're, they may not be heavily in Iraq, but they're, they're clearly being set aside to be our ally in the next great conflict. Well, it's also more than that. You see, uh, if, you, if you read the, the, uh, the writings of Karl Marx, who simply worked for the bankers, he was a field journalist and recruited by the Rothschilds and, and also by, by the, the British establishment, believe it or not. Uh, he wrote the Communist Manifesto in London. England, and he was given the biggest theatres in London to, to, to uh, teach this stuff that was supposed to overthrow the existing establishment. That tells you it was allowed by the British establishment. 
uh, he also wrote um, and does Capital about um, the world that would come to be at the end of the millennium or shortly thereafter and he said that there'll be three trading blocks under a super world government and he said it'll begin with the amalgamation of Europe the second one will be the amalgamation of the Americas and of course you know that, that they're signing the second or third part towards the amalgamation this month in Canada and Quebec mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I do, and I also, also understand there's Next month, they're also uh, the APEC group are getting together for the Pacific Rim countries to amalgamate them and then start declaring where the new capital will be for the Pacific countries, Japan, China, or wherever. And Australia is lumped in there, too. Yeah, on the topic of the North American Union, in terms of the protests that are planned in Canada, they have a very large security perimeter. Uh, free speech zone, I suppose you would call it, Alan. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, really. Uh, but basically, uh, they've set this large perimeter so that you can't even get close or as close as people were able to get to the Bilderberg uh, building. Uh, so I find that to be interesting. Uh, and they also have the uh, U.S. Northcom overseeing security as well. Yes, they're bringing up uh, U.S. troops for the first time at the Canadian soil while this is being signed here in Canada for this part of the amalgamation. So it's interesting. That also means that Canadian troops and Mexican troops can come down to go to the U.S. as well on the ne- on next year's signing, which is in the U.S. This is interesting. Now, these reports that I hear you share a lot when you come on this program and others about the New World Order plan um, to... Yeah, of course, create this one-world government through controlling populations, controlling economies, social engineering. Uh, I just get confused, Alan, when I look at all the stuff with Russia and I see how they're building up, and they have this concern, officially that is in the papers, that uh, the United States is getting too strong and they want to create some sort of a counterweight. I do get suspicious, as as much as most of the listeners do, when I see Putin and Bush sitting at the same side of the, side of the table, as if they're fondling each other or something, uh, sitting at the same side of the table at one of these meetings at the G8 or elsewhere, yet at the same time point missiles at each other. So I'm wondering, is this some sort of uh, a game of chess, where they're deciding out who's going to run uh, no. the bunker of the new world order, or are they themselves, the elites, uh, starting to have uh, fights and conflicts from within their own ranks. No, this is just for public show. Don't forget that they needed, uh, during World War II, Stalin, the mass murderer, was suddenly Uncle Joe. Good old Uncle Joe, and that's what the media called Uncle Joe. Uh, Especially when the West had decided that they were going to save communist Russia at all costs from Germany, which is an odd thing to do if they were really your enemy. And after the war, and since you always need an enemy for governments to point fingers to and tax you and build up the military-industrial complex, suddenly Uncle Joe became the big bad bear. And then, and then he was going to nuke us all, and he trained children to hide under their school desks and quiver, and that was Pavlovian training to make them think they were going to get annihilated at any time. That's to terrify the public. That's all show to terrify the public on all sides. Because what they're going to bring out here is, look, we need a new way of living. And it's already been planned by them, of course, which what this new way of living will be. It's so do you, you believe that we've own. already completely controlled uh, control the Russian government entirely inside and out? Oh, absolutely. In fact, the West uh, financed into existence the communist regime. They couldn't even feed themselves all through their reign, you know. Canada and the U.S. supplied the bulk of their grain, their food for them. Right to, right to when the, the Berlin Walls came down and afterwards. 
These guys could yeah. even turn out a television set that, that didn't flicker. And then we will look at China, and and I think I get your point here. I look at China, and I go, how can they be actually on opposite sides of the fence where our economies, to some degree or another, are integrated if we, as Americans here locally, that have spent all this money on the war, a trillion now they say we've spent in Iraq, so much of that money is borrowed from China and other interests as well, private interests in other countries, but China has donated so much to this cause, loaned out, and is getting so much back in interest, it's like we're funding them and their boom. So I want to get more into that and why would the New World Order want to place the center of it uh, possibly in China? Why would they would want to transfer to China? Do you have any information on that? Yeah, well, part of it is, you see, this new system, which has been well discussed at many think tanks, and they have published their findings with little snippets in different magazines over many years, have said that this new system, this new order that's to come into being is to be run on efficiency with no useless eaters, no excess population with nothing to do. We are in a service economy now. We're not industrial. And uh, a service economy is meant to paddle the water until you can't paddle anymore and you sink. They know this at the top. So the plan for the Americas is once this job is finished, it will be vastly depopulated. That's why uh, the elite have been building incredible uh, advanced cities, brand new cities in China to house uh, all of the, the wealthy elite and the higher bu bureaucracy and technology and technocrats that will move to China. They're already moving to China to some of these big cities from the West and have been for a few years. Really? Well, I know they're moving their money there, but you think China will be a safe spot for these individuals? Yeah, certain cities will be, but eventually once that's all done in the West, they'll start depopulating China too, because they won't need all, all of those extra workers, uh, and then they'll robotize the factories. Certainly it's a nightmarish future when you look at not only what you're mentioning, but robotic UAV attack drones that are coming now to Iraq and Afghanistan. They say that one-third of the military will be robotic by the year 2015. And also at alexanthory.com where we have our news, the website of this radio broadcast, of another article saying that biochips will be put in soldiers within the next five years. We know they've been shipping people for a period of time, but for use in the military. So we will continue to monitor this with Alan Watt in the second hour of Outside the Box. Give us a call at 888-202-1984 or 512-646-1984. We'll see you after the break. needs a wake-up call. They want benign indifference. They want us drugged. We could be pets. We could be food. But all we really are is livestock. Your world is not what it seems. Alex answering Outside the box. I've got one that can see. So what do you do when the lights go out? As we witness the great superpower of the United States of America, the corporation, that is fall, just like WTC7, but maybe not in seven seconds flat. But Alan Watt is our guest from the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. It is our third time talking with Alan Watt. First time online uh, was on RBN. The first time uh, on the TV show was about a year ago. And now he's here again. 
to talk about China, Russia, and also some of the things happening with social engineering today in the year 2007. And, and Alan, I want to close on this topic with China and Russia shortly. I just want to get an overview of what we need to be aware of in the years to come, because we see China with 750,000 troops ready to go at the drop of a hat, ready to go to war over Taiwan. You and many others are saying this is orchestrated. And then I wake up one day to read this headline. Chinese secret society challenges Illuminati. And uh, this is somewhat something that was written by Henry Macau, Ph.D., and Rince did uh, two two-hour programs on this. And I'm, I'm wondering if you're familiar with this claim and what you thought of it. I've heard it. I haven't looked into it. I do know that a lot of Chinese were rather unhappy about the SARS epidemic because the SARS epidemic seemed to target mainly people from China. Uh, they were the ones, even in Canada, who were dying with it. It was lethal to them. So it seemed to have been a race-specific virus that was engineered in a laboratory somewhere and tested out, perhaps, in a small area, which came to Canada, where there was a, a good Chinese population that infected them. Most of the, the, the non-Chinese uh, peoples who caught it survived, although they were, caught, they were really sick. But uh, it was pretty deadly to the Chinese themselves. So it seems to be race-specific, and I know it upset a lot of people within China. However, until the peoples of the world, including the Chinese, realize that the guys who run their countries and who are Chinese are all members of a global system already, uh, they'll, they'll never get, uh, understand that there are no mm. sides to this. You have one world club. It's a eugenics program. The ones at the top of China are in cahoots with the ones on top of the U.S. and Britain and every other country. They're the ones who have held on to their wealth and power through many generations, and they believe by the Darwinian process of social Darwinism, they deserve to rule all the rest of the peasantry. Yeah, and it sounds like characters like Li Kaxing and, uh, and the Li family itself. Yeah, oh yeah, and I've got some amazing photographs from China where some of these families, in fact, have built Grecian-type palaces for themselves uh, off, their, off of the massive profits from their child labor built in China. You know, uh, incredible wealth for these characters. Well, How the, much information, the, Alan, have you gotten on Li Keqing, the, uh, the, the richest Chinaman in the world, the seventh largest according to Forbes, and he owns 15% of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. He's the guy who's uh, buying up the ports for the North American Union, the port in Mexico, and, the, and the, he also owns the two in the Panama Can, uh, Canal under the uh, Hutchinson Wapao um, port or, uh, company. Mm-hmm. Well, what you have, again, are front men. It's no different from George Soros. This is how history really is. You have front men who appear to be the movers and shakers, but really there's teams of people, and all they do is front for them. In this system at the top, it's like a big mafia. No one goes off on their own and does what they want to do themselves. It's debated and they're given orders, and they become fronts, just like Bill Gates. Bill Gates is no genius. Bill Gates is from an old family, uh, well entwined with, with politicians down through the generations. And uh, he's a front man. He's the, he's a gatekeeper for, for windows, for, for information. That's his job. And uh, it's the same with, with the, the Chinese ones that you're talking about, too. These are the front men for big consortiums that, are, that sit around panels worldwide and discuss global events. Each one is a speciality, and they are the front for that speciality. 
Uh, I want to read this headline to you, and uh, we can go into it. I think it definitely plays into what you're saying in terms of socially engineering the youth. And I find it interesting to look at the youth of Russia today being not too different than the Soviet youth of the Soviet Union, which supposedly fell. Take a look at this headline, Sex for the Motherland, Russian Youths Encouraged to Procreate a Camp. Now, uh, this is interesting because it looks like there's a group, and I have only known about this for about a week. It's called Nashi. It's a youth group. It means ours. It's a youth movement run by Vladimir Putin's Kremlin that has become a central part of Russian political life. Nashi's annual camp, 200 miles outside Moscow, is attended by 10,000 uniformed youngsters and involves two weeks of lectures and physical fitness. Now, I'm looking at the picture, and they have their arms wide open, like the love energy, like they're one large hippie Woodstock movement or something interesting of that nature, but anything of the sort in terms of peacefulness. These people go out and attack anti-war protesters, and if those of you are out there listening, if you follow Russian news, uh, even American news, you can see how bad the police state has gotten in Russia, or you can argue never really went away, uh, in terms of people being round up before protest, anti-nuclear energy, protesters being killed, being beat up, being thrown in jail. I mean, it's very, very bad. And then you look at this situation where they're socially engineering uh, a, a whole youth political movement, very similar to the Hitler Youth. Uh, any comments on that? Oh, yeah, this, this is happening uh, in a big way, too, because we are run by a eugenics program, and they do want, uh, especially a military class uh, of uh, specialists with all the so-called better genes, mainly psychopathic genes for controlling the people, and they plan to inbreed the military, too, just as they are in the West. That's why they put females in the military, end up marrying out as the guys and they stay on bases, and their children are reared on bases, and they become soldiers, too. This was all discussed in Plato's Republic 2,300 years ago. You know, a lot of people um, are arguing on Mr. Putin's behalf, saying, well, you know, the United States can't be the sole superpower. We should just kind of accept the fact that other countries are going to grow and be larger than the U.S. And I think that's also been part of the plan in social engineering, to hate the U.S., to hate the military to a point where we're willing uh, to allow other countries to become more powerful than what is justifiable. And when they're working for the same bacon establishments, the same elite families, uh, we have a catastrophe on our hands. It's very interesting, Alan, because sometimes when I look at history, I feel like we never really changed since World War II. I feel like the same energy uh, is still around. Uh, the same games are still being played, although it's a different day. Things look physically different because we have surpassed in terms of technology, we have a lot of ways we can distract ourselves from the truth outside of our immediate bubble, but the same essence, the same energy still exists within the beast system itself. So I'm very fascinated to look at how, uh, I get very fascinated, although it's very sick, it'd be funny if it wasn't so tragic, uh, how these things continue and continue and continue. But there is a level of progression to this, Alan, where more people are dying than there, than there used to be. And I'm wondering uh, what's next in the years beyond uh, 2012, whatever that date may be. And uh, do you have any take on that date, 2012, yeah. in terms of what could happen militarily or otherwise? Well, with a buildup of chaos and fear and terror up till 2010 to unify the Americas, that was discussed at the free trade negotiations in the late 1980s. Even the date, the first signature was to be 2005, 
and amalgamation was to be complete and integrated by 2010. By 2012, the United Nations was to take over as the supposed official government of the world. Alan, let me ask you a question. Let me just ask it now instead of at the end of the program. Do you see a clear-cut solution to this? I'm familiar with, with how you feel about all of this, and my feelings are pretty much the same. And people ask me all the time about solutions, and I haven't articulated ways in where people collectively are changing things. I, th- I see things getting worse. I think humanity is going to learn a big lesson through what's going to happen. I think, I mean, that's my personal philosophy. It may not be yours, but we have to learn a lesson about giving our power over to the elite and giving over our um, liberty for security. But uh, I'm wondering if it even can be stopped is basically what I'm saying. It could be stopped if, the, if there's enough people with the will to do it. However, is there, is there enough people with the will to do it? I think uh, it doesn't take a lot of people to say the right things at the right time in a certain way which can penetrate through all of the disinformation. It just takes a few to do it uh, at the same time, basically. Uh, When you tell a truth that cannot be denied, even even the person who's been drugged, doped, and inoculated is going to to penetrate the, the, the recesses of their brain. And uh, what you're, you're fighting for here is the right of individualism and the ability to retain conscious, sentient thought. Because elite are not kidding when they talk about brain chipping the whole population. Uh, that's to be their utopia when we cannot think for ourselves at all. And we've got to realize this war didn't start with World War One, Two, or Three. This war has been going on for centuries and centuries and they've been attacking every generation and every country with inoculations attacking the brain to lower the IQ to destroy that part of the brain that makes you an individual and gives you your your higher critical survival and thinking um, uh, purposes, your centers in the brain. They've been destroying it on purpose and yes, people are getting sicker because they they have cancer genes and so on injected into them at the age of two under phony inoculations so we, we've been under war, uh, it's been on us our whole lives long, and our parents too. We're dealing with monsters at the top, and we better start exposing them fast. And I mean stop pointing the fingers across the seas, because believe you me, they're sitting right up there in the thrones in your own countries, across the planet. I think there's a lot of... Um uh, I heard you on another program the other day talking about the death culture, the death fetish culture in terms of the television and socially engineering the youth of America and even those that are older, but it's easier to go for the youth because they're more uh, susceptible, uh, if you will, to new influences, new programming, new software for the hard drive in their minds to think more violently, to think more in a subservient way to the system as if that makes you more powerful, as if that, that gives you more power, that, that heightens your status in life. And, and I find it interesting because this, this death culture, um, is something that I'm, I'm concerned about when I look at, uh, the possibility and likelihood of a future collapse, how the American people will behave towards each other. And you were talking about being responsible and not just pointing the finger. Being responsible to me means getting ready for the next wave, being ready to live off the grid off of and away from the urban cities, away from the checkpoints. And a lot of people kind of turn up their nose when they hear people talking about that. So when I see people being obsessed with the Duff culture, the UFC, the fighting, the violence, uh, and all the other uh, degradation uh, that fills cable TV today and network TV, 
you can see how people may react in the time of a crisis where they start to hurt each other instead of work together to get out of the mess that they're in. And I find that to be a huge concern worldwide right now. Well, it is. Again, going, going back to ancient times, even Plato talked about the cities and how it's, it's the first artificial creation because people are not meant to be crowded together in cities. They can't feed themselves. They need money to run the system, which creates a shark-infested water, you might say, because it's a dog-eat-dog system from the top down. However, you can also alter culture so quickly within a city because they adapt so quickly. And it, it can be a, bit, a bizarre culture from a, an outsider coming in. But nevertheless, for those inside, I think it's natural. But yeah, you're right. Um, violence and apathy together have been fed through uh, fictional programs for the last 30, 40 years and when they create a, a system of, of uh, terror this is a war of terror on the public, this is what it is a reign of terror actually we're living through then, then when everyone feels terrified and especially children they start to respect those in power those who have authority and they want to join them and so there's generally no lack of recruits to be joined the Gestapo and that's the worrisome part we're in today um, they brought up a whole generation with the lowest standards of education for a hundred years they've given them the worst music culture dress codes, the whole thing uh, on purpose and they've also given them video games which were intended to indoctrinate the military uh, into killing without thinking these video games remember were all designed for military purposes to desensitize people from killing a whole generation has grown up with that and, and uh, they want to join what they see as the powerful groups, those who have the right to kill. And they, because they wanted a generation that would be sent off to war to complete the mission that is underway right now. This is all long-term planning we're living through. Long-term planning. I remember last year I was reading about a seed bank that was being um, put in place in the ocean, I believe near the uh, the Netherlands. And uh, in that region up there, in an icy area and uh, near the ocean, some sort of a vault, a seed vault, uh, in a Noah's Ark fashion. And it came upon uh, existence by a few scientists that believe that an epidemic may soon be underway to where our food supplies is threatened in a way that it, it has not been in, in this modern day, threatened. Uh, as of yet, and that is whether some sort of plague that that wipes out the food supply. And I'm wondering if that is uh, the tie-in with genetically modified food. Yeah. And oh, I yeah. just read another article yesterday about genetically modified trees being a possible uh, ecological disaster. And I am very concerned about that. I am a very large proponent of organic food. I can feel the physical difference in my own body when I eat something that's organic of the earth and something that's been created from a laboratory. And uh, I'm very concerned about the youth of America and their health for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So you see, war strategy goes for the basics and the physical body. You go for water and food. And that's why they spent all our tax money in secrecy, giving it to Monsanto and big grants uh, to, to modify all our food. The standard procedure, you make the person weak, you modify the person who eats the food. And people are becoming uh, dumber all the time on it and sicker. So we're under war. That was part of it for, for sure. Um, and water, of course, you know, the United Nations wants the right 
to own the water supply of the world. Oh, not only that, but the main plan of the North American Union, one of the plans is to bring in through a canal water from Canada into the Great Lakes for Lake Superior right now is shrinking at an alarming rate. And I'll pick up on that when we get back right here on WTPRN. You know, I go back in my own memory banks and look at all the stuff that I've seen as a uh, a youngin, a younger youngin as I am today, but, uh, a middle schooler, an someone in elementary school watching Knight Rider, watching Airhawk, uh, Airwolf, uh, all the other action uh, cop uh, intelligence uh, programs on network TV that for young people living in America, they see this in a glamorous light, running around with a gun, catching the quote-unquote bad guy, learning how to split the mind from a very young age and think of good and right. This is good. Working for the state, working for the system, working for the police, working for the intelligence agencies, being your own James Bond, in your own illusion, in your own mind, and then there's the, the evil. The evil is 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 just an all-elusive enemy, the one that wants to kill you, the one that wants to take away your liberty. It's the it's the same stamp, all sides fits all enemy that they use, they draw out of the hat whenever they need it. And here I look at this headline, Born Identity, uh, the movie that you saw a few years ago, some of you and Born Supremacy has now got a new one, The Born Ultimatum. And we can just look by glancing at our culture today at how movies uh, contain these constant themes about the real world we live in in a distorted way. They'll address the terrorism. They'll address the war, but in a very, very positive and attractive light. Uh, because there's something about movies that can that can um, captivate the human mind, the illusions, the sounds, um, because it is an illusion. It is a hypnotic uh, device. And um, I uh, asked my roommate to uh, rip me a funny movie because I don't want to watch anything too serious last night because I rarely watch movies. And she came back with a Reno 911. <laughs> but what, what I thought was funny and strange at the same time about Reno 911, which is a comedy about how stupid the police are on Comedy Central, um, some of the police, I, to rephrase, some of the police, what was funny about it is the the plot in the movie was a simulation of a dirty bomb attack. And uh, these very ineptitude police officers that are the characters on this show, Reno 911, uh, take control of Miami. Um, and they try to go after the bad guys and whatnot because of a dirty bomb. And uh, you can see how often the themes of uh, a dirty bomb taken out of an American city, the habitual fear, you can see how it's even in the comedies now. And, uh, Alan, uh, I know uh, the media in Canada is a little different, a little more objective in some some levels than the American media. But I do find it to be very amazing how violence and dark TV is today. It's not as bad as it was when I was a kid. Excuse me, when I was a kid, it's not as bad as it was today. Uh, the way that they describe torture, show you how to torture someone, to hurt someone. And that is programming. And I think when you can program someone to accept the fact there's surveillance everywhere and that people are engaged in torturing one another, uh, then they can accept that that reality enters their own world. Yes, that's again, uh, there's a lot of uh, information published on these techniques by uh, the Tavistock Institute, which uh, started up in World War One, really, uh, is a form of psychological warfare program uh, using um, media and fictional dramas to see how it would affect the public, how they could indoctr- uh, indoctrinate the public 
through entertainment primarily, um, when you're being entertained, the sensor part of your brain is down, your shield is down, your firewall is down. And so you don't really question the information that's coming in. You, you think it's just for pleasure. And, and that's when most of the indoctrination does come through. It's called predictive programming. And it's, very, it's, it's a very fine art now. It's, it's well understood. It works very well. And, and yes, they have, uh, in a psychopathic culture where you have psychopaths at the top, inbred psychopaths, you know, families of them, dynasties of them, um, they also give you a psychopathic culture for the public to follow. And that's what we're seeing is the manifestation of their culture from the top down. This is not a grassroots culture we live in at all. It's all authorized from the top, including all the violence and, as you say, the torture, the inhumane treatment. And this all began really a long time ago with um, starting with, with the dehumanization and uh, uh, of, of humankind through abortion. Once we accepted abortion, which was the killing really of babies, uh, then we'd already knocked one pillar down from that which held us up as sacred human beings. That's, that's what was believed at one time, that everybody technically was sacred. And that's why there were such stringent laws against killing people. Once you start killing uh, babies, you dehumanize yourself once you accept that. The next part was, was the, the abortion industry and the baby parts. Now you have a whole business, worldwide business, in parts, body parts which is nothing but cannibalism. Uh, we, we are living through a horrible time right now, and people have been indoctrinated to think it's all quite natural, and we're evolving along some path towards something better. But if you look at it from, from a distance, stand back and look at it, we're going towards a horror show, and we don't have that will left anymore to stand up for, for life itself. And that really is what the battle is all about. It's a standing up for life, each and everybody's life across the planet. And, and, and the right to, to have that uh, individual mind uh, that goes with it. Now, Alan, uh, I'm going to uh, have you on just a couple more minutes, and then we can pick up on this maybe in a couple months. I definitely like your analysis. I want to ask you one last question, though. How do you think people should get prepared? How do you think... Uh, someone should focus their intentions and their energy, knowing what you know and those that aren't necessarily disagreeing with you, but may in fact know much more than you and I are disclosing today, that are already convinced, they're already the choir for that matter, and they want to uh, feel that they can at least do the most that they can do to put themselves in the right position uh, to deal with what's coming or may be coming in terms of a world war. Mm-hmm. Well, those who can get out of the city should, because we know... Uh, you're in a trap. Uh, they turn the water off, they turn the food off, uh, the, the electricity off, and, and most people are totally helpless in a city. And, and they've done tests before with the uh, planned uh, brownouts and blackouts to see how long it takes before the people start robbing each other for food and so on. So it's not a safe place to be. You're at the mercy of the authorities there. Uh, at least if you're in the country areas, you still have means of getting water, getting food, and having some kind of safety. You're more independent. Independence in any form that you can, as much as you can in this day and age, that is, is going to pull you through. And uh, we've seen throughout history um, a constant theme that exists to some degree today, Alan. Uh, It's called cannibalism. And uh, you talk about people treating each other certain ways, or I I was and you were as well, uh, when things like this happen, when they're not prepared mentally, um and physically or spiritually. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we see these horrific things happen, and I am making a prediction that, you know, the way things are going, one day uh, cannibalism will return to the U.S. because we are so vulnerable in terms of food and water. And, and do you agree with that or think that's an overstatement? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, in the 1960s, and this stands today, that's never been updated, all NATO countries, uh, that's Britain, Canada, the U.S., and many others, France and so on, all signed the same agreements on how to cope with cities and large populations in time of, say, nuclear fallout or a bacterial or viral warfare that was infecting whole cities. And, and this is available to the public if you push your government for it, you can get a copy. And the, the law stands today uh, that if, if a, a city is infected, it's to be enclosed, circled off and enclosed completely and the people are left to die because of the That's contamination. That's true. I have, I have read that. I have read and, that. And then put... they've also said that any individuals or small groups trying to break out of that perimeter have to be shot on sight by the military. Uh, large groups trying to escape and flee out of there have to be bombed by that CS gas from the air and killed. Now, when you look at all of the fleets of gunboats they put on the Great Lakes... There's enough gunboats on there to start World War II over again. And, and you'd ask yourself, why did they put all these heavy gunboats with big caliber machine guns and so on on there? That's to keep people inside a country. That's what that's in preparation for. I'm afraid they're going to use uh, some kind of plague, and I think that's their plan. Alan, I'm going to hold you over, if that's okay, for about five more minutes. I want to pick up on that topic, and I want to close just at that point. Keep right here at WTPRN.com. For those calling in, 888-202-1984. We'll be right back, my friends. This is getting very, very serious. I hope you're aware of that. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. So you can get what we had here last week. Which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets it. I don't like it any more than you do. All right. Well, we're looking at a future where our governments are preparing to deal with flash riots, flash mobs. Uh, at the drop of a hat. You look at the uh, Ministry of Defense in the U.K. and their plan for the year 2025, and I talked about this in great detail about six months ago, and it was just a nightmare to look at the report, what they're preparing for. And Diana in Oregon has called in, and uh, we're going to bring her up right now uh, to talk with Alan Watt. Hello, Diana. Hi. 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 Well, I'm here in Portland, and I've been listening to your show um, today for the past hour. And um, I, I agree with everything Alan has said, except when he blamed abortion for being um, the cause or one of the causes for a present situation. And right there, as a mother, as a grandmother, and even a great-grandmother, I have to disagree profoundly with that statement and... It really raises a red flag to me. Um, you know, for one thing, it's a very divisive issue. It's like 
I'm hearing accusations of racism um, uh, concerning Ron Paul, for instance. It's the same kind of thing. Racism and gender bias are very decisive, decisive issues. Okay? I, we need to have some really deep discussions about these two issues. Because one involves um, racial equality, the other, gender equality. Okay? When you're saying to women, when you're saying to women that <laughs> their right to choose is evil and is responsible for um, um, <laughs> this present system that we're under, this new world order, then you you you've turned off like sixty percent or so of the population of the world, I think, even those who don't want to admit it. Because most women want to protect the right to choose when to conceive and when to give birth to a, a child. I know. Well, that. I, have, I, I have an anti-abortion policy in terms of discussing it because we're dealing with a world where they're killing us physically with guns, and there are a lot of people that are on passion on both sides of the issue. And uh, uh, but in terms of a government-sponsored terror, that's my forte. But if Alan made a comment on that, I'll let him respond. Go ahead, Alan. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I'll thank you for putting words in my mouth because I never said that at all. What I said was, uh, hold on, hold on, and let me speak here, okay? What I said was, the big mistake was when people accepted the killing of children, babies, people. That was the start of it, dehumanization. Okay, all right, well... What do you mean, the killing of children? Um, I'm, not going to, I'm not playing a game with you. You no, know no, what you I mean. No, you need to explain yourself. No, I don't know what you mean. Yes, I you want do. you to explain what you mean. What is, when society when, when accepts that life really can be killed because it's inconvenient or whatever, or there's too many people, whatever road you choose to go down devalidates it. You, you're accepting the fact that all life isn't as sacred as you, you held it before. Therefore, the elite themselves have convinced the public we're just a bunch of animals that has to be culled off in the same way when there's too many of us. Well, and we start all, to accept it. We start to accept it. No, 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 no. First of all... And that's what I was uh, talking first about. First of all, a child, a fetus is not a child. First of all. It's a Latin that's name for babies. That's why we have birthdays. That's why we have birthdays. Okay. A fetus is not a child. Well, one, one comment, one no, comment, one comment. Excuse me, hello, hello, hello. I need to take command of the the the, uh, the battleship here. Uh, this you is a show of, of, of a specific topic for the day, and I respect you very much, Diana, and I am very glad that you called in. But this was never a show about abortion. Uh, and yeah, and uh, I'm going to let you make your point, though, because I respect you, and I respect you, Diana, and I'm glad that you... Diana, we can't both talk at the same time over Skype. Um, I, I respect you, well, and I'm going to let you make well, your comment, so I'm going to give it back to you. Go ahead. To me? Well, what yes, I go ahead, Diane. I appreciate the fact you... What I was trying to say was that, was that, was that I take exception to, the, to, to his statement that a, a child, a fetus is not a child, first of all. And, and uh, hello? 
Yeah, we can we can hear you. We're, people have been oh, talking about abortion for years and years. Do you know what I'm talking about today, Diana? I'm talking about our country collapsing about. and people eating each other because there's no food. That's our topic at the moment. I think that's more important. Don't you? No, uh, no, let me guess. It's not more no, important. No, let me no, guess. No, it's no, not I more important, is it? No. My point. I think you missed my point. I think you missed my point. When people hear uh, these kind of statements coming from, um, you know, uh, uh, your, your, your radio, your TV program, when they hear people saying these things, they automatically feel alienated. It's just like I said, a lot of people are accusing Ron Paul of racism, okay? These issues have to be uh, talked about and discussed. We have to be able to have some kind of consensus around these issues because if I'm feeling alienated you know what? I spent 20 hours of my broadcast yesterday talking about slavery on African Americans in this nation and how the energy has not changed. Not a single person stops to say thank you. Not a single person stops to even recognize when I do try to connect with people. So I thank you for your call. Because they, I thank you for your call. Because people don't care anymore. People don't care what I have to, you know, we're bringing up very real issues here on the program. And no one stops to say thank you when we do to the right thing. They just want to attack us when we uh, say something that offends you. Alan, are you still there? Oh, yeah, I'm still uh, hanging Okay, so <laughs> let's continue on with uh, yeah, where we were at in terms good. of getting people prepared for yeah. the next thing. I'll let you respond if you like, though. I'll respond to that because all we're hearing is the standard indoctrinated slogans getting thrown at us. For, for mentioning a topic that, that's now politically incorrect to mention. Well, I'm sorry, at the stage we're at, fighting for our lives here, there is no topic that is taboo, as far as I'm concerned. And all I was saying was, when we start to accept the fact that we can start killing off humans, and, and I don't care what stage you start killing them off at, whether it's old people or very young, and fetus just as a Latin word for baby, by the way, then we've already put ourselves down the scale of, of uh, importance in life itself. No and matter so what opinion you have, man, there's always going to be an attack dog that's coming to get you. That's why I've been yeah. mute on the abortion issue. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly uh, against it. But no matter what, man, you're going to find someone that thinks you're part of a great conspiracy to enslave oh, people, just like what's happening with Ron Paul. 40 years of indoctrination and political correctness and all the rest of it, and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is all life itself. And let's be honest, they start with the very old and the very young and old totalitarian regimes, and that's called eugenics control. And Margaret Sanger, that started off the whole abortion industry, was a member of the Nazi party. And uh, I think the feminists should check into her history. Now we're selling body parts like we're selling fresh meat. This is human body parts. Well, I'll tell you this. No doubt, I uh, probably lost Diana's support. And you know, that's just okay, because I've done a lot uh, to try to expose things. And I'm sorry if I can't pick up on all of your issues with abortion. Why don't we just bring up a couple others? Why don't we, Diana, how do we bring up gay rights while we're at it, you know? It's just like all these side issues, you know, yeah, while we're trying to talk it. about the big issues. Um, and you know what? I, I, if, if we lost her as a supporter, you know what? There's nothing I can do about that because we're here to talk about the real issues while we may not have very much time left to fight them. And we have Rodney in Texas. Go ahead, Rodney. Hey, good afternoon. I, uh, I tuned into the program and I just, I had to work a long night and, uh, got a little sleep and I woke up this morning, uh, or this afternoon and, caught this great program and I really really appreciate uh, what you guys are talking about I I uh, 
you know, Diana is a, a prime example of uh, what what Alan is talking about. This indoctrination, the brainwashing, uh, the I mean, this high tech brainwashing that organizations like UNESCO, started by Julian Hus- uh, Huxley and others, have used over the years to desensitize people to exactly what Alan was saying. You know, the the, the killing or the taking of life. Now, I don't see how anybody can sit there and justify, uh, and it sounded to me like that's what she was saying, and I'm sorry if I'm alienating her, but, you know, sometimes the truth hurts. Uh, can I finish my thought after the break, sir? Yeah, yeah, you can, and and I hope we haven't lost her, but if we have, you know what, I'm going to have to accept that the same way I have to accept that my coworkers, uh, my family, uh, the people who I thought were my friends don't want to hear the reality about what's going on today. But it sounds like Diana probably knows what's going on. She's just very passionate about how she feels. So we're not attacking you, Diana, but we're asking you to just understand also where we're coming from as well in looking at this, and we're not racist either. You know, I always get very emotional, very upset. Emotional upset when there's a disagreement with a caller, especially when it's a caller that you know has good intentions and is probably a good person because they're listening, period. They want to hear what you have to say. And when there's a disagreement, it just tears at you. When it's over something uh, smaller than the, and I'm sure she disagrees with me when I talk about what the larger issues are, and, and I respect everyone's um, um, opinion. Um, but but it is really sad because uh, united we stand, divided we fall, and we're falling right now in free fall. We have three callers on hold. Alan Watts still with us. We have exactly ten minutes left, and we're going back to Rodney. Rodney, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say, uh, you know, what Alan said about uh, you know, this the, the, these programs that have been used to indoctrinate people and, and disease, you know, cause our minds to be infested with all of this. Uh, uh, propaganda on killing. Um, it's been done very, very scientifically and high tech and, and, and I'm not picking on the prior caller, but I just want to say, you know, that's one of the fine arts of brainwashing is to be able to brainwash your subject without them even knowing. And I think, uh, Alan mentioned that earlier, how these people have fine tuned this art to such a degree where you, you, you see in, in their news reports every day where uh, they, they admit that when you watch TV and uh, all of the propaganda that's there, the majority of the people, their minds are in such a suspe- suspended uh, 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 state, uh, su- suspended uh, state of disbelief, that they can't tell the difference between what's real and, 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 and what isn't. And so I agree with the gentleman. And I, 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 you know, I, I get emotional about this, but I think what she was trying to do is take what he said out of context. And, and I appreciate you uh, defining, Alan, that term fetus, baby. You know, yeah. she needs to go back and read a book that I read years ago written by a, a person who was an expert on killing called The Psychology of Killing and see what she gets out of that. Maybe she'll get something, maybe she won't. But that's all I have to say. And, Alan, keep up the good work uh, exposing the matrix, and and I intend to get your book, Cutting Through the Matrix. And, and uh, sir, I forgot you, the uh, moderator of the show. What is your name? Oh, Alex. Alex. Alex, you keep up the good work also. Oh, thanks, Rodney. Yeah, thanks, yeah. 
Yeah. Like and we have a couple other calls, Alan. Let, let's go to them. We have uh, Dan in New Hampshire. What an exciting day it's been today, Alan, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Dan, a lot of interesting topics, but uh, I think we're going to make it through the rest of the afternoon. Hi, Dan, I'm, New Hampshire, how you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, you're coming through pretty strong. That's great. That's great. I, I um, they, You know, there is, I think, a, a, uh, a missing of the context, uh, you know, because... I, you know, I think that all of us can agree that whether you're going to bring a life into the world or not should not be part of the government's decision. Do we I agree with that there? as well. Yes. All right. All right. All right. So, so, and 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 as long as we can have that understanding that the family is is and and ultimately the woman. Is the one who decides what's going on. I agree that the that the uh, you know use of abortion for uh, anything other than than you know very very serious situations is 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 wrong. But but I think it's also wrong mm. to 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 subjugate women because I think you know the whole the whole business of of the anti-abortion people is. Basically, you know, the woman does not have control over her body, uh, and that's that's what they're. But we know all these slogans. But here's a thing we should take into consideration here. We don't we don't hear repetitive slogans. Lenin said we shall win this propaganda war by the use of slogans, and that's all people repeat. You right. see, right. we've got to realize where do our thoughts come from? Where do our thoughts come from? You know. Alan, you're taking a philosophical point of view, and I agree with your philosophical point of view. I have no argument with you uh-huh. at all, period. But here's we, the thing, we, too, though. This is the point we got to get through. we got to give true to the people, just like that yeah. woman that's there. Well, and the, the, way is, that the, we, the way we, we do that is, is that we say, we say to people, listen, we're, what we're talking about is taking away the power from the people in Washington, the people in your state house, the people in town hall. We're talking about putting it in your hands. Yeah, and here's the I thing, mean, this though. Is ultimately the, huh? yeah, here's what follows up with this this point you're just making. You see, here's the thing. You're talking about uh, government should not be involved in uh, what uh, the right to abortion and so on. What I'm saying is it was the government that pushed this and have written about it for the last hundred years that they were going to push it from the top and make it politically correct. So, and you know what? So, it almost so sounds like there's a debate here it. going on uh, over who, whose uh, freedom is more valuable, the fetus or the baby or the woman. Yeah. This is interesting. Now, I've never really gotten deep into the whole abortion issue, but now that I think about it, it's becoming very crystal clear. Who has more rights to choose to live? Yeah, and when you get into these topics, remember what we say really is not of import to the guys at the top because they've discussed all this in think tanks long before we were even born. Yeah. It's ongoing right. all the time, and and they've already dehumanized us, and they see us in the same light. We're just useless eaters too, so so it's no problem for them to start killing us off in the same uh, way. Exactly. All that, they have no compunction at all. They yeah. they are completely you know psychopaths. They're yeah. psychopaths, mm-hmm. and 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 I mean, you know, my my whole point is that, and I'm you know, I I, I just spent eight months in jail, okay, uh-huh. and and it was over, a, you know, driving after suspension, and uh-huh. it didn't have anything to do with me getting in accidents or causing harm to anyone, 
even 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 to the extent as you know i i don't have uh you know drunk driving involved in that suspension but i mean i was in jail i spent eight months in jail actually half of it four of those months was for failure to obey Failure to obey. Who's the master? Who's the servant here? Yeah. You know what well, I mean? Dan, if, I want to take your call because I, I got somebody else right after you. Do you yeah, want to make I one more point before I let you go? Real quick. If we had a constitutional federal government and we therefore focused on our local and state governments and kept them under control and that people had their own power, they would naturally have to be more responsible for themselves, Agreed. naturally be more knowledgeable, and we'd have a whole better society. And that basically we got to tell people not to give their power away, stop telling, stop expecting stuff from Washington, the State House, and Town Hall. Do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly, Dan. Thanks for calling, and keep listening. Well, Thank you. I appreciate I that. Will. Mo, uh, you are on the line. Go ahead. Yes, uh, Alex, I'm sorry. Thank you very much uh, for taking my call. And uh, before I ask a question uh, from Alan, I would like to tell you about the 12 people executed in Iran this week. And our heart and uh, our sorrow goes with all the families that who were executed uh, last week because they were political prisoners. However, the uh, shaitanic government of Iran, they tell them that it's uh, they have done some immoral acts and uh, they were uh, executed. And my uh, uh, question is about uh, Alain, that have you ever seen the children of men that it shows about 20 years uh, no one has ever brought a child into the planet and one lady she's pregnant and this story is about that that how they try to um, give her amnesty through the uh, you know excellent point because the jury is still out on our fertility go ahead Alan I haven't seen the movie, but uh, yeah, and I know about Iran there. I knew that uh, uh, public displays of executions recently, uh, very public executions, uh, they hung the people involved. And uh, again, that's another form of, of tyranny over the public um, and to keep them all in their place and terrified and obedient. We're going to see the same thing coming here. In fact, it's already happening with these goons in the streets with the machine guns and the, and the black uh, uh, executioners' uh, uniforms. Um, so, so yeah, uh, we're looking at a, a big problems here that have never been discussed amongst the ordinary people because the policies are made at the, uh, above us and they're, they're made outside of government. Government is a front for parallel, a parallel government. Carl Quigley, the professor, talked about it, where all major decisions to do with population control, um, the manipulation of uh, the food supply, all these things are done through a parallel government. They said that the, the democracy version was too inefficient. There were too many conflicting parties to get anything done, and therefore they had to have this this parallel government run by very rich and powerful people. And Quig, Professor Quigley said in his book Tragedy and Hope that it had already been in existence for 50 years, and he wrote the book in the 1960s. Uh, he was a member of this group. So you see. Uh, anything that happens in culture that you think is your idea isn't yours at all. It's marketed into you. Marketed and we have less than a minute head. left. Mo, did you have a quick question? 
yes, I want to also talk about the Children of Man, and also if you see the movie Kandahar, please see these two movies. It's very excellent movies, and also about uh, one question, quick about the microchips. What would uh, be happening? Would we all get going to get the mark of the beast on our hands or our head, forehead? And thank you very much for your beautiful show. Mm-hmm. Well, thank so, you. No, no, we no, will continue to keep you updated on the microchips. Go ahead, Alan. Yeah, now they're actually coming out now, witness some of the science magazines talking about the implantable brain microchip. It's already here. It's ready to go. Yeah. It is. My and website the, and, and is alexansory.com. Alan Watt, thank you for being here. His website is cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and it's been fun. Diana, I know you're still out there listening. We do support you and your fight for freedom, although we may have disagreements. Uh, please keep your focus on where we do agree, not where we disagree. And as I said before, you know, really, I'm not an expert on some of these issues. I just know what the new world order is and how it wants to kill us collectively. It doesn't matter. Goodbye.